Welcome to PwC IFRS Talks, your source of all things IFRS, technical accounting matters, business issues, current standard setting and regulatory updates. I'm your host, Ruth Preedy. In today's episode, we've got a new face, not that you can see it, but a new face on the scene, Rich Jones, who is a director in our CMAS practice. Welcome to the studio, Rich. Hello. Hello. Um, And today you're going to be joining us to talk about a blog you recently wrote on selling well. That's right. Okay, perfect. So we've got the article, we'll share it as part of this. What, what is it? Give us a bit of a high level and why you wrote it. Yeah, so I, I lead our divestment proposition for CMAS, which is our capital markets accounting advisory and structuring team. Uh, so I basically help companies sell, sell businesses, uh, carve businesses out of a wider, wider structure. So in, in recent years, we've worked on some huge carve-out deals uh, that all have their unique challenges. Um, despite the fact they've got unique challenges, they, they also share many of the same issues and a lot of the same common pitfalls. And, and I thought it'd be a good idea to try and summarise some of that um, so other people can, uh, can learn from our experiences. Brilliant. So effectively, you've got loads of experience with companies that are um, selling off part of their business, so carving a section out, and you put all your tips in one place. Exactly. And we're going to talk about those tips today. So one of the tips you start with is that a company should really focus on its exit story and value. What, do, what does that mean? What should companies be doing? Sure. So your exit story is, it's the story about the journey of your business. So the business that you're selling, you know, what is the journey that it's been on? And more importantly, where is it going next? And, and what are the upside? So the value is really in these upsides that, that you have identified there must be some upsides left for a buyer um, uh, through value creation. Otherwise, why why would they buy that business? So the story is all around what can they do to the business to improve upon it and extract more cash, more value. Okay, and then on that, so you mentioned value creation there. I think your next sort of tip in the blog is around, um, you know, the importance of quantifying that value for people and validating it. So yeah, can you expand right. a bit on that point? Yes, yeah, so you know, your exit story must convey that you know, the deal is good value for both existing shareholders and for prospective buyers. So identifying value creation opportunities in revenue growth, cost savings or tax planning, they're all important parts of that story. But what you've got to remember is that all of those, all of those things are, or a lot of those things will be happening in the future. Those upsides are future related. So how do you evidence them so that buyers can place reliance on those uh, and build them into into deal price. So how, how do you quantify them? You know, this is really important if you want buyers to build that into deal price without applying major contingency against those upsides. And this all really comes back to having a solid base. So whether that's a solid base of numbers that you've carved out and, and uh, a diligence exercise over those or perhaps audited uh, IFRS carve-out financials, and then on top of that, then having a solid, robust analysis around revenue growth, synergies, cost savings, tax initiatives, etc., that they can really rely on. They can put their arms around it and they can rely on that because they can see it's been well diligenced. You mentioned IFRS there, which makes me happy. It's an IFRS podcast. We have done a podcast previously on combined carve-outs. So if anyone wants to listen to that, it was many moons ago, about number three. Okay, so you talked there, you know, really great about you really identifying and being able to quantify that value. Have you got um, like an example from your experience you could share with our listeners? 
Yeah, I think one example that, that springs to mind, think about uh, perhaps a business that, that's selling brands and factories and maybe there are certain cost-saving initiatives that, that are planned to, to happen across these factories. One way of being able to evidence that these these cost savings are actually achievable is before the deal goes through, can you evidence them perhaps at one factory or at least start to evidence those so that buyers can come in and they can see the story at one factory and say, yes, this this has worked. Um, and then you can explain and articulate why that would also work at your other 10, 20 factories, however many you're selling. Um, and so they can really buy into this story and believe it. And again, those they can build those cost savings into their forecast that they're using to price the deal. So if a company can almost realise the benefits on a small scale, but then be able to demonstrate that that could scale up once it, it's been sold. Exactly. And, and by doing that, it allows it to be, to be diligenced and for that diligence to be shared with buyers. Okay, and one of the I think one of the things you mentioned, which is a really good sort of procedure to go through, is an exit risk assessment. And doing it early on obviously makes pretty you know perfect sense. What is an exit risk assessment? What does it involve? Yeah, so, so you know, an exit risk assessment. It's all about forward planning and governance. Really, um, it needs to cover all aspects of the deal: financial, legal, tax, HR, marketing of the business, etc. It's all around having a, a plan in place and a, and a robust governance structure that sits above that plan. I, you need a roadmap uh, from where you are today to um, all the way through to, to eventual sale of that business. So it's thinking through up front, you know, w- what does the business look like that we're selling? Is there a defined perimeter or, or is that a gray area that needs to be, um, needs to be finalized? So what data do you have? For that business, what data do you need? What data will will bidders expect? Where are the areas of value? Where are the areas of risk? Uh, how how will you explain both of these to to bidders? Who are your key decision makers? Who's signing off on what? And when does that need to happen? And, and what's the timeline for all of this? If you've sat down up front and you can clearly put a a roadmap or a plan around all of that, then that puts you in a very good position uh, from from the first step. Okay, perfect. And I think obviously we talked about, you know, what is your exit strategy? What value are you creating? I'm guessing when you're thinking through all of that, you also take into account like who your potential buyers could be and what their needs are so that you can, you know, give them the right information they need. Um, Anything more around that about the buyer? Yeah, I think from certainly from my personal perspective, um, you know, when we tend to look at buyers, we look at them in different uh, buckets or pools where uh, things like listed buyers, private equity buyers, corporate buyers, and how do we think about each of those um, from their own financial reporting needs perspective? That, that's what's really key. What are their financial reporting requirements? So step back from the, from the deal for a second and, and think back to good old financial reporting. Um, so for example, if, if your buyer pool contains listed buyers, whether that be here in the UK or overseas, US, for example, there are often requirements for major acquisitions uh, that need to go either through a shareholder approval process or perhaps through a, a public reporting process where those numbers are reported to the public. Similar story for, for private equity buyers who might be looking to fund uh, the, the new business uh, via a high yield bond or similar. They may also need um some public reporting, uh, an offering memorandum to, to go out and sell sell debt to, to potential investors. So these sort of 
this sort of uh, financial information is typically IFRS information um, or perhaps US GAAP if, if we're selling overseas to the States. And we need to think about that. What, what does a set of IFRS carve-out information look like? Is the information available to be produced? What's the timing for all that? Is that pre-deal? Is it post-deal? Um, and, and what gap does it need to be under? That's an important one. Uh, companies often extract data from their, their own um, their own systems, and that will obviously be under the, the gap that they currently report under. But what if your buyer is overseas? What if your uh, buyer is uh, a US buyer, for example, and they're thinking under US gap? How do you help bridge that gap for them and make sure there's, there's nothing there they need to be worried about? Or, or if they need to go to the um, markets and report do they need US GAAP information for, for that purpose? So lots of accounting in there Lots as well. of accounting in there. I knew you'd love There's that. always account. We always need the debits and the credits. Exactly. <laughs> okay, perfect. You also mentioned a buzzword at the moment, being agile. I feel like we all got to be very agile in today's yes. day and age. So you mentioned their companies um, should be agile. Like in what respect and how can they achieve that? It's really being agile to the requirements of bidders and thinking about um, what they need uh, and also what they want to buy. I think one of the things we see on these carve-out deals, particularly when the perimeter is not particularly well-defined, is that perimeter can move over time. So you know, what do I mean by the, by the perimeter? What are you selling? What, what countries are included? What factories are included? Brands, products, people... Um, and as that changes, we've got to think about, can we make changes to the financial information that we've provided to bidders? So, for example, you may have sent out data packs with balance sheets, P&Ls, etc., that cover a certain perimeter. The very next day, that perimeter might change and you might, you might actually take out a whole country or a whole continent. Um, as, as different buyers are looking at purchasing different parts of that business. So have you got the raw data so you can flip uh, that perimeter at a moment's notice or certainly very, very quickly? Um, that, that's what I mean by being agile. And I think that's more and more important um, in, in today's market as we've got better and better at, at extracting data from, from our client systems and we've got much better uh, tools that allow us to manipulate that data quickly and in any way we want so that we can show buyers uh, almost at the press of a button this is what it will look like if you make this change to the perimeter and and that's very very important and the other piece for me that's really important around this is how you make sure that all the data is consistent you know in, in the data-driven world that we're now in how do you make sure that when you hand over a set of IFRS accounts for example, to a bidder, that that's completely aligned to the diligence report that you've given them. And that is completely aligned to the, the, the synergies and savings uh, workings that we've provided to them. Making sure that all that is consistent really makes all of the story hang together. And when you've got differences, that puts doubt into buyers' minds and, and that in turn uh, will potentially lead to value erosion. Yeah, that's really interesting. So you want your one story and then make sure every document, your data set you're producing is consistent with that story. Exactly that. I think, you know, I think I said this in, in the blog that I pulled together, you know, when the, the best deals are where everybody is singing from the same hymn, hymn sheet. And what do I mean by that? I mean that all parts of the business are working together. They're all aware of what everybody else is doing and they're all telling the same consistent story. And that's both in the messaging, you know, where is this business 
Um, where does it come from? Where is it going? What are the value levers? What, what are the value creation mechanisms? And, and also the data, everyone has access to the same data and they're all saying, look, this is these are the numbers that you can rely yeah. on. You know, that's very, very important. I love all the stuff around agility and data as well. Like how you, I imagine, and you've got way more experience than me in this, Rich, but I imagine there are scenarios where you've got one buyer, for example, you, the deal perimeter, they say, well, yeah, we want to take that country out. And another mm-hmm. buyer saying, we want to keep that country, we want to take out that product. And it's yes. almost you've got to be able to cut that data in loads of different ways at the click of a finger because they want you know they want the next the that's next exactly term. right and, and we yeah you know, we see that um not on every deal but on a lot of deals we, Being we pressure see on the that. business isn't it it's, it's a that. huge pressure on the business um and that's another key key point that we often see is how how do you how do you manage the the divestment process um you're, you're taking on a lot of time from key members of management uh, there's a lot, a lot of time will be spent on analysing this data and making sure it's consistent, make sure it's extracted correctly. And how do you make sure that those management teams, as well as focusing on selling the business, are actually also focused on running that business through the sale process? Because ultimately, because of the complexity around these carve-outs, a sales process can can take months. It can, it can actually take years. And so as you go through that process, the results during the time that you are trying to sell the business are actually probably the results that buyers will price the deal off. So how do you manage that um, sort of tension between running the business and running the deal? And it's very difficult to do. Yeah, I think like one of your tips is like, don't forget your day job. Like, exactly. You've still got to keep running the business. You've still got to keep running the business. That's right. <laughs> okay, perfect. So I might have just stolen your final tip, but the last thing I was going to say to you is you've got any final tip. You've already given us loads. If there's any, you know, your parting line to the listeners, a Rich Jones tip. For me, the biggest thing I've learned on these deals is, is talk, talk, talk. To talk. I love to I'm talk. all over that. <laughs> it's all around making sure that each and every part of your business are talking to each other it all comes back to this point around singing from the same hymn sheet but everybody is talking to each other everyone's aligned on what the key issues are um, and that, that includes your advisors as well I think bringing everybody together on a regular basis to run through the key issues for each and every work stream is, is absolutely vital to, to getting through this and you know what where we see people trip up is if there's there's an issue in i don't know tax for example and that's not communicated through to the main finance team and then all of a sudden data is inconsistent inconsistencies in data and in stories that causes confusion and and in turn that potentially causes value erosion so my main my main tip is really to set up that governance structure and to make sure your teams are talking to each other and they're talking to their advisors one story and sell it well exactly <laughs> okay well, thanks so much for joining us rich that was really interesting and um, if people want to read your full blog i think you've given us more more insight in here anyway but if you'd like to read the, uh, the blog as well it's on uh, pwc.co.uk please come and talk to us about something else in the future uh, i've been your host ruth pretty happy accounting the preceding program was brought to you by price waterhouse coopers llp This content is for general information purposes and is not a substitute for consultation with professional advisors.